Welcome to the Living and Thriving with a Chronic Illness podcast. You'll be joining Smiling Sonia on her daily morning walk. She shares information and personal insights into her own journey managing flare-ups of her condition, Molloray's meningitis. Smiling Sonia here. It's oh, the clock has changed. It says Sunday, the 13th of July 2020. Now that's right, isn't it? I'm gonna have to check this. No, that's wrong. It's Sunday, the 12th. (laughs) Ah, so that's gonna, that's gonna, um get me confused so don't look at the clock Sonia when you're doing this audio journal oh so it's about quarter past three that I'm recording this and I was thinking about what I wanted to to say uh, in, in this particular episode episode six my meningitis story journal mm. Um, I was thinking about the very first time that I had viral meningitis and I guess every story has a beginning. We're in the middle at the moment and I guess this story will end when I end. I'm... I'm always a little bit reluctant about to talk about um, the beginning. Although I do, I will talk about it, but I don't give the whole story. Uh, I'm never, I'm not, I'm very few people that I give the full story to, and that is because I, I do feel ashamed. I, I do feel embarrassed. I know that I shouldn't, but I do. And I was having a conversation with my daughter today, and I told her, I told her um, that. And when I gave her the reason why, she said, oh, mum, you know, us millennials, that's nothing. (laughs) Us millennials, that's nothing. Yeah, but my generation, or maybe, well. So I'm, so here, here is my opportunity to share the beginning of my meningitis story, full-blown, warts, literally, and all, okay, I'm feeling quite hot at the moment, but just because I do get hot and cold, Um, so we need to go way back, way back to when I was 18. So I turned 18 in 1981. And 1981 will always be a year that I remember. And not only because I turned 18, it was also the year that I left school as well. So I had been going out with this lad. Uh, He was, I think he was a couple of years older than me. 
And I think I started going out with him when I was probably 17, something like that. He was very tall. He was six foot two. I met him in a, it was a, a club or something. So I went to a club. I didn't really didn't go out that often. <laughs> My parents didn't let me out that often. But we'd gone to this club. I, I can remember the club. Um, it was in Catford. And he'd started talking to me, and obviously I gave him my number. Now, back then, I was one of those girls who ne- never thought I was, I never thought I was pretty, I thought I was ugly. Um, you know, m- my friends, I felt, were, were prettier than me. Very low self-esteem, low self-confidence. And so a boy to show an interest in me, you know, I I think I probably thought that a boy wouldn't. I had had a boyfriend before for a very short period of time, but I, I didn't see myself as being the girl that the boys would be after, let's say. So when he took an interest in me, I, yeah, I sort of, I was... What's the word? It will come to me. But, you know, the word, whatever the word is. You know, ooh, he's, he's taken an interest in me. And we started going out to each, with each other. Um, I knew that the the sex thing would happen. Well, we'd come to that bit at some point. And, uh, and it did happen. I have to say, I went out with him. I don't think I ever fell in love with him. I went out with him because I was in whatever with somebody who was interested in me. I I, I don't know. And so the sex thing happened, you know, because you do a lot of the, you know, the touchy stuff. You know, what do you call it? You know, the playing around stuff. So there was a, there'd been a lot of playing around or whatever. And I was around his place, and it was going to happen. Okay, it was going to happen. I'm not going to go into any gory details. Okay, I'm not going to go into gory details. And and I I I think one of the things about sharing this part of things is because I now understand the importance of sharing our experiences because in sharing our experiences, we, we just don't know who will listen, hear what we say, and how that may have an impact on them, and maybe help somebody in some way. And I think one of the reasons I'm sharing this experience today is because I read something yesterday that kind of allowed me to be honest about my experience because this person was honest about their experience who was also who also suffered with viral meningitis and talked about the shame so uh but it's important for me to start the beginning give a bit of context maybe (laughs) okay so i had this first experience and so i had this first experience now something i will have to say about this first experience because I, I i want it to, i think it needs to be out there half as we as 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 it was happening 
I realised I didn't want it to happen. Okay, I didn't want it to happen. And I'm sure that there are many girls who've been in that situation where they've, you know, they've been thinking and then they've wanted the, not, it to not happen. And and so there's a point at which I said no, that I didn't want him to carry on. And uh, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he he didn't, you know, so... He, yeah, he held me down and the deed was done. And I remember lying there and not being happy with the experience at all. But I, I guess there's an element of, well, it's done now. I continued going out with him. I didn't understand, as I understand now, what had actually happened. I continued going out with him. So, uh, and me being very, I was one of those. Kids, I remember as a as a as a teenager, there's no way that I'm going to get pregnant. There's no way that I'm going to, you know, get whatever. So, condom. Always use a condom. Never enjoyed the experience. I have to say that. I still say that to this day. And then the pressure, the pressure to go on the pill and then eventually giving in to that pressure, okay, because the, you know, oh, it doesn't feel the same with the condom, blah, 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 you know, if you, you know. So I went to the doctor, got put on the pill, started using the pill. Now, I was studying for my A-levels. So May 1981, exams, exams time. Um, did our exams? No, yeah, did our exams. So it was A, yeah, A levels. Um, I was doing biology and textile and dress. Didn't expect that was going to pass. To tell you the truth, I just, I just didn't have that confidence in myself. So I didn't do what the other girls had done I went to I went to a grammar school um, I didn't apply I didn't apply for university I didn't go through the the UCAS you know stuff because I just didn't believe that I would be good enough to go off and do a degree so I didn't do any of that I, I, I remember I was you know yeah I didn't do any of that so literally we had the last day of school and I think it was maybe a couple of weeks after I finished school. Honestly, I, 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 gosh, it was during the night again. There's it always there's there's a pattern there. So I'm seeing a pattern. It's really good. It's a good idea going back and looking at things, because then you can compare it to the current time. Now what had happened was I, I noticed that I had a sore down there. And I remember being really, I mean, it frightened me. I remember every time I, I remember feeling something and then looking and then seeing this open, an open sore down there. And I was like, here's another thing. I was a very naive 18 year old. 
I may have had sex, <laughs> but I was still, I was a very young 18 year old. I'll let you know that from now. And, uh, and so I was thinking, oh my gosh, what's this? And I remember being really scared. And I remember, um, I went to the doctor. Eventually I went to the doctor and the doctor gave me, said, oh, I needed to go to a clinic. And it gave me, she, was it she? Yeah, she gave me an address. I had to go to the, um, to the, oh gosh, the to Guy's Hospital. I can't remember. I had to go to Guy's Hospital. And the clinic was open at a particular time in the morning. So I, I, I got the courage to tell my mum. And I told my mum, and she said to me, well, you know what that is, don't you? And I was looking at her like all naive and thinking, no, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I've got, <laughs> you know what I mean? All... And she said, well, you've, you know, you've obviously been having sex and um, that's, that's, and I sort of, I was so embarrassed. If you knew me, because I was very shy, and she felt so embarrassed. And she said, okay, my mum, oh, my mum, love my mum so much. Oh, my gosh, my mum was such a brick. So she said, okay, in the morning, in the morning, we will, your dad will take us, will drive us um, to Guy's Hospital. Don't even think my dad knew what, what was happening, but anyhow. So went to bed that night yeah, probably a bit stressed, <laughs> to tell the truth, because I was going to be going to this clinic in the morning and somebody was going to have to be looking down there, <laughs> okay, so, oh my gosh, such embarrassment, so, during the night, I developed this really bad headache, and in the morning, I had this massive pounding headache. I mean, pounding headache. And so we were going to Guy's Hospital anyway. So we still went. We, you know, my mum packed me up. I was not well. I had a headache, but she's, you know, she packed me up. My dad just took directions. We're going to Guy's Hospital. Sonia's got to go. I don't. I actually don't even think my mum told him why. We got to the hospital and um, dad dropped us off and I was literally, I mean, I was, I was in so much pain and now I know what was happening with my body. I didn't really know then. So we got out of the car. No, actually, whilst I was in the car, I threw up in the back seat in my dad's car and my mum was, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm thinking, I'm throwing up in my dad's car. I'm in so much pain. I feel so unwell. And my dad's sort of, yes, it's okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I get out of the car. My mum, my mum's literally having to hold me up. And we're walking, and my my mum's asking, you know, we need to get to this wherever this clinic thing. She's actually she sees somebody. And says, oh, I'm trying to find this clinic thing. But this person sees me because I'm literally 
about to collapse. I am because I literally I'm just about dragging my feet. And he says he's going to go and grab a wheelchair for me. So he grabs a wheelchair and I get on the wheelchair and they obviously take me into casualty. I mean, because this is a sick 18 year old. This this girl is sick. And um, I'm seeing, I don't know, I couldn't tell you whether I was waiting around for hours or anything like that. But all I know is that um, I was in severe pain. My, my hands were just clutching my head. My hands over my eyes because of the light. I think I do remember that. And I remember uh, a doctor. I always remember this. And I think one of the things about memories is that we remember stuff that where there is a real emotion attached to it. There's real emotion, real emotion attached to this particular part of this memory because of how I felt and how he, I kind of felt quite humiliated. And so I remember being in this room and the doctor and I remember there was a circle of doctors. I don't remember seeing the woman, circle of doctors, that there were students and he was doing an internal examination so so he was you know he was doing an internal because my mum must have said that you know come because of well well and so there's me with my legs open and and all I can remember is being in extreme pain but not being able to do anything um and with all these men around me uh and that I always, always remember. I mean, that feel. Even thinking about it now, I can see it. I mean, that's like forty, almost. Yes, it's um. Gosh, it'll be forty. It's thirty-nine years ago. Wow, nineteen eighty-one. We're in twenty twenty. So, but I remember that happening over and over. I remember. That I wasn't just being examined once. There was, I was being, there was, there was lots. I probably don't have because our memories get screwed, don't they, over the years? It wasn't just once. I know that I was having these examinations, and um, just how I felt about it. Now, in the end, I mean, I got hooked up to drips and stuff, and getting uh, medication or whatever. I remember my head was just so bad I couldn't I couldn't lie lie down on the pillow because that night during the night I, I was sleeping with my head hanging over the bed because it was so so painful and uh, I remember sitting my parents sitting at either side of my bed and the doctor there and them asking my parents you know that my parents asking you know well how's what's what's you know what's caused this and they said well it's you know i've got herpes and um and that's what's caused the meningitis so my my parents didn't know before then that i i was sexually active so i came out <laughs> that you know I'm no longer a virgin. So I was so, so, it was so, so embarrassing with 
him telling that to my parents and I'm lying there, you know. Oh, gosh, I remember the lumbar punctures. I think in that week I must have had about three lumbar punctures. Oh, it was, oh, no wonder I didn't want to go back to that place. Lumbar punctures, oh, yeah. And so, okay, so, I mean, that's part of that will do. The other reason I remember 1991, because I remember I just had a lumbar puncture. I don't know whether it was the first, second or third. And it, I was, I, I wasn't allowed to sit up because I was thinking I was supposed to lay on my back for an hour or so, whatever, after the lumbar puncture back then. They don't say that now. And I was in a, one of those big long wards and it was Princess Di's wedding day. Yeah. So I could hear, I could hear because they had a TV down the end and I could hear the wedding but I couldn't actually sit up and watch it because I had to stay on my back so we'll always always remember we'll always remember the year that Princess Di got married because I was in hospital at the time with viral meningitis and um, I think that the interesting thing is that I think I had I think didn't her youngest get married two years ago when I again I had viral meningitis I was thinking how how mm, yes interesting anyhow so my dad contacted my boyfriend because I had a boyfriend at the time this boyfriend contacted this boyfriend and said to him look you know, Sonia has this, whatever, she's in hospital and uh, she's got this herpes and she must have caught it from you. And he told my dad that I couldn't have caught it from him. I must have been sleeping with somebody else. Now, dad, my dad relayed this story to me because my dad got angry with him. Because <laughs> my dad knows me. Well, he didn't. No, knew some of me, <laughs> obviously not all of me, but he's, I mean, he knew, I, I was only going out with one person, and he told, he told this, this lad, this guy, who I'd been going out with for over a year, we were, you know, we were talking about living together, we got to the point where we were talking about living together, oh my gosh, oh, what if I hadn't, what if I didn't get that what if I didn't get meningitis my life may have gone on a completely different angle but there you go I, I do believe things happen for a reason so my dad was angry with him my dad said to him that he's lying my dad didn't believe him he said he believed his daughter he believed me that he was the only person I'd slept with. So he did come to visit me. And um, I spoke to him. I mean, I'm so naive. And he, he admitted. So he admitted that he had slept with, I think, two or three women um, during our relationship. His excuse was, his excuse was that 
because I was doing my A-levels and my parents wouldn't allow me out past 10, 8, 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah. I used to always joke about being 18 and not being able to stay out past 10 p.m. So, and he said, you know, he had needs. He had needs. And that he had got a UT, he'd, he'd got non-specific urethritis. I always remember that. I must look it up again. I always remember him saying he had non-specific urethritis. If that's, I don't know what, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Um, so that's what he got. And so he had picked up this, this STD, sexually transmitted disease, and he had not told me. And he was sleeping with me, and he did not tell me that he had picked this up. He knowingly passed that on to me, and it was this, it was it was reading somebody's story yesterday when she's, I think it's, it's it's somebody that's in the public eye who is got a case against an ex-boyfriend who who denied giving her herpes, denied having herpes, which um, delayed her treatment which caused problems and I think, you know, complications possibly with the, with bar meningitis. So it's, it was listening to her, because I listened to the podcast, I was listening and reading her story and where she said, you know, he knowingly, he knew that he had the herpes and when when was asked by the doctors if he had it, said no. Had he said yes, she could have been treated earlier. And I think that's a key thing. But he was in denial, still in denial. And and she talked about just that people don't talk about, want to talk about um, herpes. We don't talk about herpes. And, the, and, if, and for some of us who have viral meningitis, uh, as a result of, of it, we're a bit ashamed about sharing that. And I am. I am. I am. I am, because with you know herpes is a sexually transmitted disease. Well, the one I because I know you've got most mouth sores because you've got herpes and you got mouth mouth sores, but mine's isn't mouth sores. Okay, it's genital herpes. I'm trying to free myself by saying this here. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to. I want to feel able to. Well, I can. I can say it, I can say it how it is, because people need to know. And so I got that, so 18, I was in hospital um, for two weeks. I came out of hospital. Um, I'd lost a lot of weight. I liked that bit of it, because I thought, oh. My legs, because uh, I've got quite muscular legs, my legs are the thin legs. I never had thin legs before. And it was actually, I got out of hospital. They, they let me out early, actually, because we had a family holiday to Butlins. <laughs> and there's a picture, there's a picture of me standing next to my mum. And you can see, because you can see that I'm sort of thinner than usual. And, and that's because I've just come out of hospital. And... Uh, I, I, I love disco dancing and also I used to make my own clothes and I, I went into a 
they had it's not about a beauty pageant thing but i think is if you make your own clothes and then and you you wore it so i went into one of our i entered a sort of competition there was always only a few we were usually only one of maybe a couple of black families on the whole butlin site <laughs> we used to go with um my uncle my uncle aunt and their their son so it was me my two brothers and our cousin so we used to go as two families and we would be on the campsite you walk around we were the only black family there and so there's also a picture also a reminder of that time a picture of me there's a picture on stage so there's all the girls and i i still had a plaster <laughs> where i had a cannula on the back of my hand i had a plaster over it i'd forgotten to take the plaster off before going up on stage so um i always laugh at that i thought oh i forgot to take my plaster off but it's a reminder a reminder of that time so so that that's my that's 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 my beginning story that's a, that's the beginning of um viral meningitis i was not to know that some 30 something years later i would have another attack and then go on to have five further attacks within a seven year period so i'm i'm thinking now that there are uh, there, there are there are things that i can share about uh, my viral meningitis story and i think what i want is i want look in the last seven years i've had viral meningitis five times now i've come into the same hospital coming to the same hospital and it's taken the fifth visit for them to actually get treatment to me within 3 hours rather than 2 years ago it was like over 12 hours and when i was here 2 years ago they were check- they were looking at the inter- on the internet to work to find out how to treat me okay so research is needed research is badly badly needed because there are people out there that are suffering with this suffering mainly because they're not being believed when they first go into hospital that they have viral meningitis it's a reoccurrence or they know we we know our symptoms okay because it's like nothing else the reason why we know our symptoms i know my symptoms is because every day if i get a slight twinge in my head i'm thinking is it meningitis i'm already thinking that and so when i get a headache i'm on high alert and that's why i wait and probably that's why i wait too long i wait a couple of days when really i sh- really i should have been here i got the symptoms on tuesday during the night i i should have because of the the way it was thumping in my head i should have called 999 tuesday night it wasn't until tuesday afternoon that i called an amb- no no thursday afternoon sorry tuesday night first symptoms thursday afternoon that i called for an ambulance okay two days 
but there you go. So, oh, I've shared it. I've actually shared it. Um, what does that mean? Don't know. So, uh, yeah. So, if you if you're listening to this, thank you. If you're listening to this, it just means that you're one more person that is aware of viral meningitis, Mollaray's meningitis, recurrent viral meningitis, and that it's not just a mild form of the most serious, which is bacterial meningitis, is that actually pain is pain. And so what I'll probably do when I do my next episodes is to maybe talk about some of the after effects. Gosh, this is bigger, bigger than I thought. Okay, thanks for listening to me. My eyes, if I touch my eyes right now, they're just so tender. You know, I don't have the thumping headache, but uh, whilst, just so, whilst I'm in hospital and taking the IV paracetamol, it's, it's fine, it's manageable. And I want to go home. But one of the things about going home is that I no longer have the IV paracetamol. And I, I continue having headaches. And, and it, kinda, it, can, it can kind of drag you down when you wake up every day with this kind of head, tension type headache. But I'll talk about that. I'll talk more about that. Anyway, thanks for listening to me. And um, you take care.